The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome to another edition of Into the Net FC, the Soccer Talk discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. This is the Bear of Texas reporting live from an undisclosed location deep in the heart of Texas. Ladies and gentlemen, today's subject is Euro 2000. Personally, much like the 1998 World Cup and 1996 Euro, Euro 2000 really had an impact on my life. And man, it changed it further for the better. Euro 2000. As a matter of fact, if I am correct, Euro 2000 was the first major UFA competition to be hosted in two countries. It was hosted in Belgium and the Netherlands. I do not remember last time before that when a Euro was hosted by two countries. So I am pretty positive that this Euro was the first to be hosted by two countries. Yes. Actually, yes. It's been it's confirmed. I'm, I looked it up just now. Yes. The first tournament to be held in more than one nation. Of course, in 2012, uh, eventually, it tells, I believe in 2012, it was, it was actually changed when it was hosted, I believe, in Ukraine and as well, I think it was Austria, if I remember correctly. It's just been so freaking long, but... Don't remember. I just know that there's been two of them, actually, that actually that have been hosted that have been hosted by multiple nations. Yes, I'm correct. Yes, it was Ukraine, actually Poland, not Austria. It was Poland. Okay, so I'm glad I got I got that clarified. Huh? I I really apologize. I'm a little sloppy right now because you know all the excitement going on and some of the stuff I'm having to do. You know, outside of uh, recording the shows for all of you loyal listeners out there. Basically, I've got a lot on my mind, but I'm gonna be honest. Recording these shows eases up a little bit of stress, so I'm having fun. So here I am. Well, Euro 2000. I was seven years old at the time. And when my dad would, was, but my dad, you know, before the tournament, my dad would talk to me and say that it's special that two countries are hosting this tournament. And I said, and I said, well, I can't say I'm surprised, Dad, because the Netherlands is small. I don't know if, if the Netherlands can actually host an, an, a tournament all by itself. But of course, you know, another reason would be me like, well, of course they're going to they're have both countries. Both countries are beautiful, much like France and the United States. <laughs> so we would joke around. But then, you know, when the tournament came, you know, things were really getting serious. You know, I, I told Dad, Dad, France is going to win. France are the world champions. 
Of course, of course they can win. When you when, when you're the world champions, you're on. I mean, you're heavily favored to win. I mean, you might as well. You still have the best squad in the world, right? And what's interesting is that never before has a team that's win, won the World Cup won the Euro. Germany kind of had it different. Germany won the Euro in 1972 and then going on to win the World Cup. Although in 1976, they were the runners-up of the, of the 76 Euro. So they were close to making that history. But in Euro 2000, it's France that would go on to become the first country to win the Euro as the defending World Cup champions. And I was just so proud to be a strong supporter of the French national team. I'll take a look at the squad. Okay. A lot of players from the from the 98 World Cup squad. Bixant Lizarazou, Patrick Vieira, Laurent Blanc, Yori Jarkev, Didier Deschamps, who captained the team in the World Cup and who captained the team in this one. Marcel Desailly. Okay, newcomer Nicolas, Nicolas Anelka, Zinedine Zidane, Robert Pires, Thierry Henry, Sylvain Wiltor, Lilian Thuram, Fabien Barthez, Manu, Emmanuel Petit, Franck Leboeuf, Christian Carimbeu, Christophe Dugarry, and the young David Trezeguet, who really made the hell of an impact in the final, which we will get to in a bit. Man. As, you know, as I'm looking at the, at the bid process, you know, when they were selected as the co-hosts on July 14th, 1995. And I'm really wondering who else, you know, placed the bid, you know, to host the tournament. There's always more than one country, but I was actually unable to find out. But you know what? It was just great for them to be actually in a pretty in, in a very good part of Europe. Now, four years prior, if you listen to my episode on Euro 1996, you know this was my second Euro, okay? And you know, and this time France was coming in different. I mean, France was coming in as the defending world champions, so expectations were so much different. I mean, France was expected to actually win the tournament. They were heavily favored. I mean, in the last Euro, even though Asura said that France had the best fit team on the planet, or I should say in, in the European continent, you know, I still, I, you know, I still didn't believe, you know, I still didn't think that, you know, most people, most critics are saying, oh, well, France might have some talent, but they don't have the experience, and that's what matters, so France can't get anything done, so France was really heavily doubted in the last tournament, but in this one, it certainly was a different story. I mean, France was praised, I mean, really, people would say France can't lose, they're too damn good. Of course, much like all these other tournaments, there was concerns for hooliganism. But, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, football hooliganism apparently had been a significant problem in the Netherlands in the 90s. You know, teams like, because there's the fierce rivalry between uh, Ajax and a club named uh, Feyenoord. Uh, if I'm mispronouncing it, I deeply apologize. So, of course, you know, apparently, you know, between 1995 and 1999, there were several f- football riots that actually were pretty violent. So, and you know, Rotterdam actually would go would be the would be the venue the venue to host the Euro two thousand final was in Rotterdam. So, really, there was certainly a cause for concern. But not surprisingly, during the two thousand Euro finals, violence did occur, although it was not involving the Dutch team. According to this, one hundred seventy four England fans were arrested in Brussels, Germany. Uh, Brussels, Germany. I mean, Brussels, Belgium. After Germany, actually, you see, actually, this was actually ahead, following violence with Germans ahead of the England versus Germany match. <laughs> oh, man, oh man, oh man. 
hooliganism is, you know, I gotta ask all, am I really exaggerating when I say that hooliganism really gives the game a bad name? That's just the way I feel, but amazingly, you know, as I'm looking at the groups really right now, before I go deeply into talk about uh, Les Bleus, you know, that, that thing, you know, June, June 17th, with all, the, with all the arrests, you know, we know what I should really mention to y'all is that June 17th is my brother's birthday. <laughs> so on his third birthday, 174 English fans were arrested in Brussels, Belgium, following violence with Germans ahead of the game between England and Germany. Oh, yeah, yeah, English supporters and German supporters fighting. I mean, we've seen that before, haven't we? <laughs> Group A, Portugal, Romania, England, and Germany. What's really surprising about this one is that both England and Germany failed to grow out, get out of the group stage. And what's even more surprising is that Germany finished winless. One draw, two losses, one point. You know, and, and this really takes... I, I really got to take a look at the German squad. Because, you know, I, I it, 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 it's not often. You know, especially at that time you see Germany be like, okay, be that bad. So getting a little mess. Okay, Oliver Kahn, of course, is the goalkeeper. Lothar Matos... Jens Lehmann was on it as well. I, I'm assuming he was the reserve. Oliver Bierhoff was the captain. Man, you know, yeah, really. Germany really wasn't a good time for Germany. Euro 2000 certainly something that the German supporters really do not want to talk about. So, I don't want to talk about it too deep, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spare them a little bit. But I really got to talk about these certain games. But, you know, Germany starting off with a 1-1 draw against Romania, then... And then England losing three to two to Portugal, so <laughs> you know it was really bad for Germany. You know, I'm gonna get straight to the point. It was bad for both teams because England was a semi-finalist four years prior, while Germany were the defending champions. So I might be wrong for saying this, but I believe that this was probably the worst performance by a defending Euro champion, unless there's something else I'm missing. But uh, at least for my lifetime, I mean, I was I was shocked to see Germany, you know, fall like this. Because while I was heavily supporting France, and France was the only team I really wanted to watch more than anyone, I did sit down and go watch the other European heavyweights, because I was just happy that, so that there was soccer, so I would devote myself to watching as many matches as possible. I mean, I told my parents, I'll watch soccer all day if I have to. That, that's just how much it meant to me, but... But yeah, seeing England and Germany fall like that, you know, Romania and Port you know, Portugal going you know undefeated in group stage, really, really pretty amazing. Now we get to Group B, Italy, Turkey, Belgium, and Sweden. Well, tough luck for Sweden. That, that, that really makes me think of my good friend Lars uh, Johnson. Yeah. I don't know what, what, what he would have to say, but... <laughs> yeah, but, you know, Belgium really not having the luck either on this one. And the advancement would be from Turkey and Italy. So, really... <laughs> yeah... Not the best time, not not really a good time for Sweden in this one, but, you know, and, and what's sad, you know, Belgium started off with a win, but really could not finish. You know, a, a 2 nothing loss to Italy, and, you know, a 2 nothing loss to Turkey, I mean, yeah, that, that really did them well. But Italy would win the group, going undefeated, uh, going undefeated, and Turkey, you know, would, you know one win, one win, one draw, one loss, four points. You know that lot. Their win against Turkey. I mean, their win against Belgium is, uh, I guess, is what allowed them to pass. But now we get to S Group C: Spain, FR Yugoslavia, Norway, and Slovenia. 
Well, Spain didn't do well in, in the last World Cup in 98, two years ago. So they were determined to actually get back get on the back on the right track but with a good uh, European uh, tournament so but they did and you know two winning the group advancing along with Yugoslavia and a group D of course that's you know the Netherlands, France, the Czech Republic and Denmark. Well, much to the surprise of the world, France did not top this group and this was courtesy because France lost 3 to 2 to the Netherlands. Well, that was certainly painful to deal with. But, you know, since France would go on to win it all, doesn't matter now, does it? So, Netherlands got extremely lucky, but luck didn't really stay on their side. But, you know, what's also interesting, you know, a rematch from the 96 uh, semifinals. France, you know, this time defeating the Czech Republic and denying the Czech Republic the, the opportunity to advance. So, a little bit of sweet revenge for the French. No. Now I'm going to get too deep. I'm going to get deeper in, into France. So, France's first game, 3 nothing win against Denmark. Much, Very much needed, you know, best way to start. And then followed by the 2-1 to win against the Czech Republic. France had a, you know, scoring five goals, allowing just one. You know, France was kind of looking a little, you know, just as strong or maybe a little bit stronger than they were two years prior. But the final game, I mean, I, I don't remember how I reacted. I mean, obviously, I was pretty upset that they lost, but I, you know, I'm pretty sure I was not as upset as my dad was because I, I, I don't remember exactly, but I would not be surprised, you know, if my dad went on a, on a freaking tear of, you know, criticizing the team. You know, they're the, they're the defending world champions. They should be better. I'm like, yeah, they should have been better, but hey, could have been worse. They could have been knocked out of the tournament, but luckily, they were not. Well, now we get to the knockout stage. Huh. And this was actually the second time that the golden goal system was applied. Because remember, it happened four years prior, okay? So, of course it was going to happen again. The quarterfinals. France met Spain. France prevailed, winning 2-2-1. Well... Playing Spain really was, it's always a very difficult, especially for France. France Zinedine Zidane gave France the lead in, in the 32nd minute, but a mistake, a, a foul by France, you know, gave Spain a penalty shot, which was successfully converted. And then right before halftime, Yuri Jarkev scores to give France a 2-1 uh, lead, and the rest of the game stays the same. No changes in the second half. France holds on, holds on, I should say, and advances to the semifinals. And looking at the lineup, you know, Didi Deschamps received a yellow card in the 60th minute. You know, the Spanish Spanish players, you know, four in the starting lineup got yellow cards. So, you know, man, you know, and France only had to utilize that one substitution. Nicolas Anelka came in for Thierry Henry in the 81st minute, so... <laughs> Yeah, France really had to put that respectable game, really. But now I'm looking at Italy and Romania. Well, not really much to talk about. Italy, 2-0, scoring both goals within a 10-minute frame. Francisco Totti would score in the 33rd minute. And then 10 minutes later, right before halftime, a player named Filippo Izaghi would make it 2-0. And then no change at halftime, and Italy 
of course, I'm sure playing great defense like they're known for being, you know, just play defense, denied the Romanians, and just took the game. Won it fair and square, I might add. I mean, I don't know if I should say that. I don't remember watching that game. I mean, when it came to the knockout stage, I was more focused in France, but I did do my best to watch as most. But, of course, you know, Portugal, not surprisingly, disposed of Turkey. And actually, I do remember actually watching that game, because I remember in the 30th minute, when a, a Turkish player named Alpe Azalin was given a straight red card for apparently something that did not go well. But, you know, this game, a total of five Portuguese players got yellow cards. You know, three uh, Turkish players got uh, yellow cards. And, of course, there was the automatic red. So, a game that really turned out to be pretty uh, physical and, you know, very uh, hard fought. So, but some of these games, especially these knockout games, that's how they're meant to go. Now we get to the Netherlands and Yugoslavia final quarterfinal game. Well, the Netherlands was one of the hosts to make it out of the group stage. I mean, they topped their group while Belgium didn't do the do, didn't do well in theirs. Netherlands was determined to actually put, to make a statement to challenge for the title on home on home soil. And a six to one win eliminating Yugoslavia was the best way to do it. Okay, man, a, a Dutch player by the name of Patrick Stevan Kluivert scoring a hat-trick for the Dutch, then an own goal made it 4-0, and then a certain player by the name of Mark Overmars adds a brace to make it 6-0, and then, in the second minute of stoppage time, Savo Milosevic, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, makes you know, adds in a goal for pride in garbage time for Yugoslavia, but the damage had been done, so what I'm going to do, but hey, at least there was a little bit of pride put in the team. At least they scored one goal. Now we get to the semifinals. France versus Portugal. Another game that really had me stressing out. Breathing heavy. Sweating. Really scared. Because Portugal took the lead in the 19th minute. And France in the first half was struggling. I mean, can't imagine how pissed off my dad was. And we get into halftime, Portugal's up one nothing. Question is, can France find a way? Can France find a way? Of course, a lot of people were confident. Personally, I still felt like, you know what? I only hope it, I'm not going to say yes, they can do it. I just says I can only hope they can do it. Six minutes into the second half, Thierry Henry equalizes. Now, the stress level reduces. But it's still up there because France needs to score several games to put the game out of reach and put it in their favor. But the game does not end in regulation, ladies and gentlemen. This game goes into extra time. And it really looked like as though this game would go into a penalty shootout. Until Portuguese makes a very crucial, lethal mistake. Commits a foul to give France a penalty shot. In extra time. Now keep in mind, this is this is during the golden rules uh, situation. If France successfully converts this penalty, it is game over. France goes to the final. Now in this game, France was more than determined to make up for what happened four years ago. Okay, France did not want to go back to a penalty shootout because it brings up a bad memory. I mean, keep in mind, four years ago, it was a penalty shootout that sent them home. That sent them out of England. Okay. So France is awarded the penalty, and who takes it? None other than my childhood hero himself, Zinedine Zidane. 
I had all the faith in the world in him. I was I had all the confidence in him. I knew that he would do it. I was like, dude, this is Zizou. Zizou is the best. He's going to do it. And of course, my prediction comes true. He gets the ball in. It's game over. France has a shot to win their second Euro. But of course, it's going to be asked, who will France play? This game was June 28, 2000. The second game between Italy and the Netherlands was the next day. Now, I my dad actually told me that we not to watch the game. And from what I understand is my dad actually thought that he would have to sit me down and convince me, which would be difficult to actually sit down and watch the game. But much to his surprise, it wasn't. I told my dad, well, we have to watch the game. We have to see who France is going to play. We have to scout the two possible opponents. So perhaps a little bit of journalism influence is in me already by then. I don't know. I mean, I'd like to say yes, but truth is, never know. Now this game, ugh. A game to remember, really. Four yellow cards for the Dutch, okay? Five also for the Italians. But a certain player in the 34th minute, Gianluca Zambrotta, was given his second yellow card, which meant he was given a third, which meant he was out of the game, and if Italy had prevailed, he would not play in the final. That really, I believe, that had to give the Dutch the advantage. If this dude is out, if the right back is out, man, the Netherlands could actually take advantage. I mean, they could put more pressure, they could score goals. But it didn't happen. It did not happen. Because this game went scoreless after regulation. It was still scoreless after extra time, which means it has to be decided on a penalty shootout, which means another second, another time in a row, much like four years later, one of the final participants is decided on penalty shootouts because two years prior, both finalists were determined by a penalty shootout. And Italy wins the penalty shootout 3-1. to one. After the first two Dutch players miss their kicks and the first three Italians make theirs, it was all over. So Italy, even though they were down one man after 34 minutes, managed to get the job done. In the case of the Netherlands, another heartbreaking loss, but at least as the hosts, they were able to get to the semifinals. But of course, I told my dad, well, the Netherlands, more than anything, they want to be in the final. And speaking of the final, here we are. France versus Italy. In Rotterdam, okay? This was really a game to be more than excited to be about, okay? Played at the, the stadium, actually, no, commonly known by the nickname Dequip. Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, by the way. In Rotterdam, the Netherlands. Really a game to look forward to. And I told my dad, oh, France, France has got this. You know, but... The game didn't go exactly like I thought it would. <laughs> a scoreless first half. Efforts by both teams, okay? But then, 10 minutes into the second half, a player by the name of Marco Del Vecchio sneaks past like that, you know, sneaks through the French defense, I should say, gets the ball right past Fabian Barthez. The Italians have a one nothing lead. France could not respond. After numerous attempt, after attempt, after attempt, threats after threats after threats, try after try after try, 
the French could not score. That is until deep into stoppage time, with probably less than 10 seconds to go in the game, Sylvain Wiltor scores, puts the goal, gets through the Italian defense, puts the ball right past the goalkeeper. France equalized just in the nick of time. Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot tell you how crazy me and my dad went. Holy shit. Holy shit, really, was the reaction. With probably 10 seconds left in the game, third minute of stoppage time, France equalizes. How could it not go? It could not be brought out better. You could not map this out any better. To equalize in a game, in a championship game, right in the closing seconds. That means we are going extra time. And what's amazing, the second consecutive final to be to be decided in extra time. Because that's that was the ending, okay? Now, if you're an Italian supporter, man, you are pissed off. You are probably crying. Maybe not crying yet, but you're you're already pissed off. Alright. You were this close from seeing the game, but a French player gets through you and puts the goal in the closing seconds. That's why I've said numerous times, it's not over until it's over. Until the final whistle is blown, you play as if your life depends on it. Because to a lot of soccer players, a major championship is their life. That's why they play the game. They want to win a title. They want to make a name for themselves, okay? A lot of these players don't give a damn about money. They care about winning. That's what it means to so many players. By the way, I apologize for my allergies. But then we go to extra time, okay? So before that, my dad gets up to go grab a soda. And he asked me if I want one. Of course, I said yes. And I told my dad, Dad, don't worry. There is no way in hell that Italy can win this game. And he asked me, well, why do you say that, Alex? Well, you saw how this went out. Italy was this close, this close, this close from winning it. But France punches it in at the last second to keep things alive. Italy is frustrated as hell. They're pissed off. This stings. I mean, this really stings them. This hurts them, really. And France has a psychological advantage because France is excited. France is motivated. There's adrenaline pumping through the French players. But my dad's my dad looks at me and smiles and says, "Well, I'm not gonna say he's wrong, but I get it. He's he's excited like the French players, and you know he's excited that France is still in the game. I'm sure that that's what was going through my dad's head. Okay, but the gate extra time starts. Nothing really going on at first, but then France does something, and the most magical thing I had ever seen." I mean, I, I would always say that Laurent Blanc's golden goal in the 1998 round of 16 game against Paraguay was something magical. I mean, it was amazing. But a player named David Trezeguet, who was born in France, raised in Argentina, who amazingly chose to play for France over his native Argentina. Okay, I, don't, I shouldn't say native. He was born in France, but he grew up in Argentina. But who chose France over Argentina and according to Thierry Henry, his reason was was because he wanted to win. I mean, he could have won with Argentina, but I guess he just wanted to play for France. David Trezeguet kicks the ball in a f- sense that most people thought that it would go over the goalpost. It went through the net over the goalkeeper's head. The goalkeeper never had a chance. Poor, the Italian goalkeeper, there's nothing he could have done. He, the ball goes in. 
Devi Trezeguet scored the winning goal for France. Ladies and gentlemen, I should mention to you, for the second consecutive tournament, the final was decided via a golden goal. Devi Trezeguet, a young 22-year-old, who, by the way, at the time, had re recently been playing for Monaco. However, I, th I believe that during that time, you know, his stint at Juventus had just gotten started. <laughs> a young player. Actually, you know what? No, he was actually still with Monaco at the time. Not surprising. This was, and you know, he was 20, Debbie Trezeguet, 22 years old at the time. Well, if he was not with Juventus at the time, then I guess I can say one of the reasons why Juventus wanted him so bad was because of that golden goal. So that golden goal really changed his life and impacted his career. But it gave France its second European championship 16 years after they won it for the first time on home soil when Michel Platini really became a French hero. David Trezeguet, who didn't start this game, who was a substitute, by the way, who came in in the 58th minute, excuse me, not the 58th minute, in the 76th minute, relieving Yuri Jarkev. I mean, David Trezeguet would have a great career with France, would you know, definitely be in the top five of scoring. Unfortunately, in 2006, you know, in that, in that penalty shootout loss to, to Italy in the World Cup, you know, Italy would get revenge Six years later in the World Cup, Debbie Trezeguet missed that penalty, but at least, you know, the stuff we remember more from Trezeguet is that golden goal rather than that miss, but Debbie Trezeguet really, that's where his career really skyrocketed. It, it couldn't have, he couldn't have had a better moment representing France to score in the, a golden goal and, and the specifically the way he did it in such, such spectacular fashion. It, you could not map it out any better. For Le Bleu, there was just no no better way to end the game. And as I said earlier, France became the first nation, the first European nation, to win the European title as the defending World Cup champions. Spain would go on to be the second in 2012 after they won it in 2010. Who will remember the, the amazing Tiki Taka uh, play style that, that the Spaniards were amazing for? But France really was on top of the world then. I mean, maybe they they had already been on top of the world by winning the World Cup, but they win the World Cup and now win the European Cup. Now they really are the best team in the world. As far as the Italians go, I just I just can't imagine the heartbreak. I mean, we suffered the heartbreak six years, six years later when they won the World Cup, which I really don't want to get into because it brings up a bad bad memory for me. But since I bring it up for the Italians, I guess you know I might have to deserve to suffer too. But but really, I, I, as far as Italy goes, you know, I don't know. People might ask, what happened? I'm like, well, I, I'm not going to say Italy gave up. Italy just made a mistake, made two mistakes, and France took advantage of it. I mean, that, that's all I can say. But this game was just, it was just so highly entertaining. I mean, right when, when Sid van Wiltel scored, my dad had given up. I mean, I was, I was getting ready to cry, and, and, you know, out of sadness and frustration. But Sylvain Wiltor spared me. <laughs> and the way he celebrated that gold man, just absolutely amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm envisioning the goal in my head right now, and it's just absolutely spectacular. You, you couldn't send a game to extra time a better way, and you couldn't end the game in, in a better way. France are the 2000 European champions, 
and they're on top of the world. And sadly, two years later, the mighty team falls apart. Rebuild is underway. France's history really changes course, and not really in a, in a positive way. But winning Euro 2000 was amazing. Me being seven years old and watching the team win that way, God, it was an amazing summer that year. Spent some time with my grandpa. I, I only I only wish he had been with me watching this game. I'm sure he would have loved to have fun too. But watching this game with my family really was just an amazing moment. Watching France win the Euro, the European Cup. You know, I couldn't I, I couldn't have asked for and honestly I couldn't have asked for a better opponent than Italy. Because I told my dad, I mean, Italy's always good at defense. I mean, don't be surprised if the Italian defense gives the French uh, offense a hard time. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. But it, 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 it was it was just, it just felt so good. It, it felt so good, and you know, at first, I from from these reports, Thierry Henry was originally supposed voted the man of the match, but uh, but apparently they gave it to Francisco Totti, which really, you know, I mean, doesn't doesn't bother me. I mean, hey. Thierry Henry, you know, it's part of the it's part of the winning squad. I mean, that's that's good that's good enough for me. But yeah. But as I'm looking, you know, Zinedine Zidane would win the best player award, so that was that was pretty damn good. But <laughs> but France winning, winning it, man. And, and the way I'm talking about it here with you here today, the net level of nostalgic right now. I mean, the adrenaline is pumping through my blood. The hair is standing up on the back of my neck. I mean, I'm just excited. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it was really an honor to sit here today and bring you back on a memory of my soccer life watching the Europe Cup 2000. I'd like to remind all of you loyal listeners that Into the Net FC is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Thank you all very, very much for being here with me today. Y'all be safe. Y'all have a good one. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.